Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Zoe Church Podcast. We are a church in Los Angeles that is all about the person and the message of Jesus. We're going to be jumping into our study right now. We are going through the book of Galatians, and we're in chapter 2 today. We're in a series called Transformed by Grace, and I want to thank every person that helps us get these messages out. If you'd like to partner with us, or if this is your home church and you'd like to begin to give, Text Zoe to 77977, and you can begin to give right there. We'll shoot you a link. Uh, But let's jump into this week's message called Allow Me to Reintroduce Myself. We are studying as a community. We are studying a book of the Bible together. We're studying the book of Galatians. I want to encourage you to go to our website. There's all kinds of resources about context and historical background and what this book is all about some key verses to memorize. I was saying it last week, if you can memorize a bunch of lyrics to Taylor Swift, come on, you know I'm a Swifty. Don't let the brown fool you, okay? Okay, teardrops on my guitar, okay? But but, um, if you can memorize a bunch of Biggie and Tupac lyrics, you should be able to memorize a bunch of scripture. Okay. But I think it's important that you memorize God's word. In fact, the verse I'm going to read to you, I want you to memorize this verse. It's probably in the whole book, top three, maybe number one, most important verses in the whole study. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. And so I want to encourage you to memorize this verse. If you missed last week, you can go back and listen, but let me just catch you up to speed. The author of this book is a man named Paul. Paul used to not be a Christian In fact, he was vehemently opposed to Christianity. He was so opposed to Jesus' work that he killed Christians once. And then he had a moment of salvation. God rescued his life, which is proof positive that there's nobody on earth that is too far gone from the grace of God. So as you're busy canceling people, God's busy rescuing people. You're going to be shocked when you get to heaven. You'll be like, okay, what? Because that's how good God is. And, and it's more important for you to live shocked that you got saved, more important than they got saved. So Paul is writing this letter to an area, this is like in today's context, like modern day Turkey. He is a church planner, so he started a church that was gospel-centered. It was based on the good news of Jesus. And then he leaves to go start other churches And while he's away, some teachers come in and mess with his people. And they say, salvation cannot be found in Jesus alone. You need to also obey the law and have Jesus. This is contradictory to grace. Because we believe that salvation is found in him and him alone. It's not Jesus plus what I do. It's Jesus always only. So they come in and they're like, no, 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 you got to, it's good, you got good news, but you need the law and you need, in fact, the, the big kind of hot topic of the day that was definitely trending on Twitter or threads would have been cir- the, the, the area of circumcision, the, the subject of circumcision, and also, in addition, food. So you had to obey the law and you must be circumcised to be saved and you must not eat unclean food. And Paul comes in with a new gospel that says none of those things matter. 
All that matters is Jesus. We are saved not by our behavior or anything of the exterior. We are saved only by belief in Jesus. And so these guys come in and they start to kind of convince these guys that it's Jesus plus the law, Jesus plus behavior. And Paul is writing this letter and he's a little bit upset and he says to them, you were running such a good race, who, who tricked you? Who convinced you otherwise? Who got you to switch sides? And so he's going to deal with these leaders. He's going to deal with this church. He's writing and today's theme scripture is the delineation between who I used to be and who I am now. And I don't know if you're really saved if you cannot delineate between who you were before you met Jesus and who you were after you met Jesus. Because when you encounter the cross, it's not I went to church. It's God saved me. And pre-Jesus, you don't even want to know this person. I was, I was selfish. I was, I was immoral. I was mean. I was the worst of the worst. And yet by the grace of God, God called my name and he saved me. Isn't that powerful right there? Just to be able to go, I was lost and now I'm found. And let's just further the lyrics just for today's sake, amazing grace. I was very blind and didn't realize where I was going. But now Jesus opened my eyes. That's what grace does. Grace does not take you from being unchurched to churched. Grace brings you from death to life. That's what grace does. I appreciate that little golf clap. It's like, what is this, the master's? Touche, good point. You and the brown, good job. My God. Galatians 2 verse 20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. Picture that, Jesus on the cross dying for your sins. And Paul says, just as Christ has been crucified, I've been crucified. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. I used to live for myself. I used to live for the flesh. I used to live for indulgence. I used to live for what I could get. But I no longer live for me. I live for Jesus now. I love this. He says, the life that I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God. I, 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 this, is, this, is, this is the clear path. The, the life that I now live. See, you ain't living until you start dying. And once you die to yourself and you're alive to God, then you're truly living the God dream. Oh, come on, clap. Everybody got to clap for that one. That's true living. The life that I now live, I now live by faith. In the, I used to live just for the flesh, for what I could get, for what I want. I would sleep however long I want to sleep, drink whatever I want to drink. I act however I want to act, sleep with whoever I want to sleep with, do my own thing and just act a fool. But now I live for God. I have been crucified with Christ. And it's no longer I that live, but Christ that lives through me. And the life that I now live, y'all going to make me preach in this service, aren't you? I'm, I'm, a happy, I'm happy to do it. You're my brown-eyed girl. I got so much brown on, I feel like a Hershey chocolate. My God. 
who lived, who loved me and gave himself for me, I do not set aside the grace of God. For if righteousness could have been gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. If righteousness, if I could have been made righteous based upon behavior, okay, you're circumcised, you don't eat unclean food, you obey everything, every single thing the law did, okay, now you are right before God. If, if the law could provide righteousness, then Jesus died in vain. But you and I could never live up to the standards that God has set. And so he sent his son to pay the penalty for our sins so that through belief in Jesus, now I am the righteousness of God. He said, Christ did not die in vain. No, I'm, 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 I'm grateful that I can receive. This is, this, is, this is a gift. This is the gift of God. For God so loved the world that he what? He gave. He gave his one and his what? Only son. That if anybody, anybody lives up to the law, no. If anybody believes in him. They shall not perish, but they have everlasting life. That's the good news that is found in Jesus. Amen. I want to preach a message. Write down the title today. It's called, Allow Me to Reintroduce Myself. Okay. Everybody's so excited. Like, oh God. I know that one. Allow me to reintroduce myself. I'm not who I used to be. I'm not, I'm not the guy that you remember. I'm not I'm not enslaved to sin. I'm not that person. I am, by the grace of God, I am the righteousness of God. Now, Paul begins in chapter 2, and he starts to write, and he's upset at this group. He, he, he writes, and he starts to address a few issues. And the first thing that he starts to identify is exactly that, his identity. That he is, in fact, I'm going to give you five eyes to write down of who we are, because this chapter is about identity. The first thing I want you to write down today is, I identify, I am identified in Christ. This is my true identity. Like, have you ever, have you ever looked at your license? First of all, when you look at your license, everybody wants to retake their photo. <laughs> Never had a friend that's like, did I kill it or what? <laughs> the first license I ever had, um, I wasn't really paying attention and my father filled out all my information. And so he put down my height, which was right at the time I was 16, I was 6'2", and I am 6'2 now. A lot of people are like, you're 6'3". I'm like, no, I'm 6'2", because I can't dunk. And that'd be embarrassing if I was 6'3", can't dunk. 6'2 is permissible. Anyways, so 6'2", and he got my hair and my eyes and everything right, but he put down weight that I weighed 196 pounds. Let me just say this. I have never weighed 196 pounds. I don't plan on weighing 196 pounds. I was like, what is this man thinking? I was like, I think at the time I was like 40 less pounds than that, okay, or 30 less pounds. Like I'm 100, anyways. But, but your identity is not in some stats about you. In fact, a lot of us get life confused because we think our identity is what we do. So we think if I have this career or this title or this credit score, this, uh, then I, that's what, no, no. Who you do is different, is, it's, it, uh, what you do is different than who you are. And Paul's teaching us that. Look again, Galatians 2, look at another translation. So I quit being a law man so that I could be God's man. Christ's life showed me how and enabled me to do it. I identified myself completely with him. 
Indeed, I have been crucified with Christ. My ego is no longer central. It is no longer important that I appear righteous before you or have your good opinion, and I am no longer driven to impress God. Christ lives in me. Did you hear what he said? My ego is not the central part of my life anymore. If you ever want to live, you must die. You might like, how often? Jesus said every day. Every day I must pick up my cross and follow God. He said, I'm not driven to impress God. Listen, if you live the most righteous life, the Bible says our righteousness is as filthy rags before the Lord. He's not impressed with how much you try hard to live up to his standard. He's impressed if you'll receive his love and receive his grace. He said, I stop trying to impress others. I stop. By the way, some of us, this is like our obsession. Like, oh, if I could just get in good with them, if they just would accept me, if, they, if that group, if they, those people, if, if I get friendship, if I, if I listen, you're going to get it and it's going to cost you everything. You're going to get it and it won't fulfill you. Because only God can fulfill you. Only God can bring your identity. Only God can tell you who you really are. I'm not living to impress others. And I'm not even living to impress God. How could God be impressed by me? There's nothing I can do where God's like, how did you do that? Are you, are you for real? <laughs> the only thing that made Jesus say wow in all of the Gospels was a man that believed that Jesus could send his word to heal his daughter. And Jesus goes, now that's impressive. How much I trust and believe and have confidence in God, that will impress him, but nothing that I do. This is my identity. My identity is in Christ. My identity, even for me, I, I'm a pastor, and my, my title, my position, my office of a pastor is not my identity. Some of us, we, get, we struggle because it's like your identity, what you do gets stripped away, and then you're like, who am I? I, 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 I I'm, I'm, a, I'm a this, I'm a that, I'm a, no, no, no. You're a child of God. You're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You are not what you do. You have a greater label. And that label over you is you are righteous because of Jesus. Come on, clap if you agree with that today. That is the good news to our identity. You got to get a better identity. You got to get a better label. You got to get a better, otherwise you're going to live and try and achieve this thing. And you're going to get it. You're smart enough and talented enough. You are so good, you will get it. What would profit a man if he gains the whole world, but he loses his soul? The way you gain your soul is just going like, I am who I am by the grace of God. Amen to that? I just believe that for somebody today, just by the grace of God. I love this scripture right here. Look in um, Matthew 6. And when you come before God, don't turn that into a theatrical production either. All these people making a regular show out of their prayers, hoping for 15 minutes of fame. Don't you, do you think that God sits in box seats? Here's what I want you to do. Find a quiet, secluded place so you won't be tempted to role play before God. 
Just be there as simply and honestly as you can imagine. The focus will shift from you to God and you will begin to sense his grace. His grace rests on the vulnerable and the transparent and the broken and the needy. He said, if you try and have this identity like, I'm a preacher, I'm a worship leader, I'm a Christian, I am so holy, I am so righteous, I read the Bible, I pray, I'm so good, I tithe, I want everybody to see me. He said, you're going to get your re reward. God doesn't play like that. You ought to go to your room, close the door, sit with you and God in a secluded place, and then God's grace will rest in that place. That's where the real stuff is. The way to say that is your authority is in your authenticity. God can't work with the fake you. He can only work with the real you. And when I'm by myself and it's nobody else, it's just me in heaven, all of a sudden I start confessing things and getting real with God because I got no cameras and no lights and no podcasts and no pressure and it's me and Jesus. And that's the God that God serves you. That's the God that invites you into a relationship with him. So the first thing that we have to recognize is my identity is in Christ. Number two, I'm happy to confront what's wrong. I'm happy to confront what's wrong. This is really cool because Paul comes back and he's confronting these guys that tried to, to hijack his church to go from gospel-centered to gospel plus the law. And he's coming in and he starts to address another preacher named Peter. Now, let me just say this. I don't appreciate when other ministries bash other ministries. So watch the way that Paul handles his business with Peter. Galatians 2. But when Peter came to Antioch, I had to oppose him face to Twitter. Sorry, face to face. <laughs> For what he did was very wrong. When he first arrived, he ate with the Gentile believers who were not circumcised. But afterward, when some friends of James came, Peter wouldn't eat with the Gentiles anymore. He was afraid of criticism from these people who insisted on the necessity of circumcision. As a result, other Jewish believers followed Peter's hypocrisy and even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. So Paul says, I'm, you know, some of us, I, I, this will free you. Some of us, our biggest problem is we'd rather talk about people than to people. And we think we're solving our problems by bad mouthing somebody behind their back. And do you ever notice that nothing changes? So Paul comes back and he says, Pete, Pete, oh, oh, Pete. You ever have somebody say, hey, man, do you think we can connect? That's cold for. I've got an issue with you, bro. <laughs> and he confronts Pete face to face, and he goes, hey, man, what are we doing here? So you're telling me that, because you have to understand, Peter, you're going to see in a second, Peter was called to preach to Jewish people that grew up with the law. The Gentiles are people that never followed the law and never thought that Jesus would love them. Paul is called to reach these people, not under the law. Peter's called to reach them. Peter, at the beginning, is hanging out with these people until some of his friends come around and they're like, Peter, what are you doing? Isn't it amazing that no matter how old you get, you and I are all under influence? 
I have never met a person that gets to an age where it's like, yeah, I'm not influenced by anybody else. No, we are impressionable. We want to be liked. We want to be accepted. We want people to love us. So even a preacher like Peter, as powerful as he was, flip-flop. And now he's like, I don't want to be around the Gentiles. I, 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 I want these people to like me. I don't want to face criticism. So I'm going to just be over here with this group because criticism would crush me. And by the way, if you're ever going to do anything for God, you're going to be criticized. If you don't ever want to be criticized in life, don't ever do anything in life. And even then you'll probably get criticized. He's like, I don't want to be criticized. I, I, I just want them to like me. I don't want, I want to be criticized. And, and, and Paul comes in and he says, what you did was wrong. And what you did was filled with hypocrisy. And what you did affected other people's lives. And, and Paul recognizes that Peter's actions aren't just to himself. They have a ripple effect. Remember, you ever see like a, a glass pond and you throw a rock out into the water, it's glass, and it hits and all of a sudden just ripples out. Your decisions, whether you like it or not, all have a ripple effect. What you do and say, what you watch, who you follow, everywhere you go, they have a ripple effect. And Paul comes to Peter and says, you recognize that what you did messed with a bunch of people. And now all these people won't talk to the Gentiles. Now all these people won't eat with the Gentiles. You, had a, you messed up some other people. So I'm willing to address what wrong? Could it be that it's a season for you and I to address anything head on that's wrong or evil in our life? That instead of putting our head in the sand and stop pretending like every, I don't want to address it, I don't, I don't want to talk about it, I, don't, I, 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 I want everybody to like me, I'm not good with confrontation, I just, no, no, no. You, it, when it comes to evil, you and I have an opportunity to address evil things and bring light and bring God's love into situations that are dark and affecting other people's lives. This last summer, Julie and I, we were at this event and this, there was this prophet there. And, and this prophet's really accurate. He's a really good prophet. And whenever the prophets come around, I get really scared because I'm a pastor's kid. And it just brings back old trauma that like the prophet was going to come into town and expose all the bad things I was doing in front of my parents. It's very scary stuff. And so they're like, a prophet's here. I'm like, oh, I got to go to the bathroom. And they're like, no, trust me, you got you to get prophesied. So we go in this room, and I'm still scared. It's like, I'm 43 years old. I'm still scared. And this guy starts prophesying over Julia and over our boys and over Georgia. And he's never, I've never met him once. And the stuff he's, the details he's saying, just like, it's spooky, scary. God's speaking through this man. We believe in our church and the gift of the prophetic. Words of knowledge, and he's just he's just saying things about my boys that are just accurate and about myself. And he says this line over me: he says, Because you hate what is evil, God is gonna use you even greater. And when he said it, something rose up in me like, Ha! You already know. Because you hate what is evil. I didn't even hear what he said after that. I was like, yeah. so you know that I hate it. Like, I hate evil. I hate evil. I hate anything that is evil. You see things going on in people's lives, you're like, that's evil. That is evil. That is diabolical by nature. 
And we got to be careful because some of us are allowing things in our life that's evil into our homes, into our relationships. And don't think that God exists where evil is. We've got to make sure we kind of wake up, put up this scripture, Romans 12, verse 9. I love this. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Romans 12, verse 9. We despise things that are evil, that are from the strategy and the plan from below. We love what is good. Why why do I abhor what's evil? Because I'm in love with what's good. And Paul comes to Peter and he says, hey, you didn't just flip-flop and you wouldn't sit at the cafeteria table with these guys. What you did was evil because you're sending a message to all these other believers that these guys don't get to follow Jesus because they're not circumcised or because they don't eat the right food. And that is evil. The gospel is good news for Jewish people and Gentiles. It's good news for anybody that will accept the love of God. I want to encourage you to start addressing some things in your life. If somebody's trying to do something against you that's evil, you call on the God of heaven to come and help you. No weapon formed against you is going to prosper. Any tongue that rises against you in judgment, you shall condemn. You're the head and not the tail. You're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. He's like, I, I, I didn't tweet about him. I went to Peter face to face and I confronted him. That's how we need to deal with our issues better. So number one, I am identified in Christ. Number two, I am happy to confront anything that's wrong. I'm not as scared. I've got the light of God in my heart. Here's the third one. I will be led by truth. I will be led by truth. I will not be, and I'm saying this because watch what happens to Barnabas. Barnabas is a key part of this guy, this whole thing. And watch what it says in verse 13. Uh, as a result of what Peter did, other Jewish believers followed Peter's hypocrisy. And even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. What? Nah, Barney. It's my guy. You got to a party? Dang, man. That was my dude. Love that guy, man. We, we used to go to church together. See, you have to understand something about life. You and I could be led astray. You are not that strong. You are not that good. Not to get down some path that's like, wait, you're doing what now? With who? No, no, even Barnabas, I love that he says that. Even Barnabas, this was a good guy. He got led astray into some stuff that's like, bro, Barney, what you doing, bro? Where are you going? This is not truth. You got to make a decision today. I will not be led astray. I will be led into truth. How do you know you're being led into truth? It sounds like Jesus, looks like Jesus, smells like Jesus, acts like Jesus, talk like Jesus. There's freedom there. There's peace there. There's joy there. There's love there. There's fruit there. There's mercy there. Wherever the wisdom of God is, there's unity. You can't tell me that God done got a plan for your life. Wherever you go, there's freedom. That's why Jesus said, you shall know the truth. And the truth shall what? Set you free. You get into bondage, all of a sudden it's like team this, and there's, uh, there's um, division, and there's like, nah. It's like, hold on, wait. So, so, it's, so this is God's will? 
Like, we don't eat with these people, and these people are off limits, and we don't talk to them. And it, that, oh, yeah, that's going to work in heaven. That sounds just like Jesus, right? You get led astray. No, no, I will not be led down these paths that are going to destroy me and mess with my family and take out my marriage. All of a sudden, here's my calling. Like Samson, Samson was on the right path. Delilah led astray. Solomon, on the right path. Why is this man to ever walk the face of the earth? All of a sudden, women turned his heart, turned against God. Demas was used by God, left the church to go make money in the world. You're telling me that can't ha it happened to Barnabas, it can't happen to you? We have to make a decision because of my identity that's being in Christ. I will not be led down paths that will bring all kinds of issues and pain and all kinds of rejection and hurt and division in my family. And now I'm messed up and now I'm filled with a world of regret. And I'm like Esau crying my eyes out going like, oh, why did I do that? Why did I mess? No, I will repent and be led down the path of truth. What does it say? Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Oh, 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 what kind of waters? Still waters. Pass of what? Righteousness for his namesake. You get going down these paths. Watch this, Mark chapter 4. Let me show you the scripture. This is a very scary scripture to me. Mark chapter 4. It, 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 you you got to watch out for this stuff. Mark 4, 18. Now these are the ones sown among thorns. They are the ones who hear the word of God and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desire for other things entering in choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. You gotta be careful. I'm just, I'm just kind of just trying to help us all that this could happen to me, that all of a sudden I, I, I want, just because you serve God at one season doesn't translate to the next. It's an everyday decision to follow Jesus. And the cares of this world and the desire for riches and it says, just fill in the blank, the desire for other things. If this stuff, I said it last week, let me just say it again. If a good thing in your life becomes the ultimate thing you have in your life, you have an idol and an idol will kill you. It was a good thing. Your career's a good thing. Getting married, your kids are great, they're a good thing. But if it becomes the ultimate thing, it's an idol and an idol will kill you. The ultimate thing for us is Jesus. Following Jesus, knowing Jesus, and serving Jesus. Amen to that? And so number one, I'm identified in Christ. Number two, I'm willing, I'm happy to confront anything that's evil. Number three, I will not be led astray. Worship team, you come join me. I'm going to preach these next two with a little bit of keys behind me to make me sound spiritual. <laughs> number four, I'm happy to receive the right hand of fellowship. I won't bore you with all the verses here. No, not bore you, but just for time's sake, I'm not going to read all the verses here. But Paul continues on to say that he met with all these important people in the church. And they recognized that Peter was called to the Jews and that Paul was called to the Gentiles. And so they could recognize Pete, his sphere of influence is Jewish folks. And Paul clear you are called to Gentiles and so they gave him the right hand of fellowship now I grew up in church so whenever I heard the phrase the right hand of fellowship I always thought it meant somebody got kicked out of the church so whenever I heard the right hand of fellowship I was like oh that's right they messed up we booted them which growing up I was like dang 
that's, that's savage. We, I didn't know we could do that. Just kick people out. I didn't know that. The right hand. Boy, was I wrong. Because if you study what it's saying is the right hand of fellowship is not to kick you out. The right hand of fellowship is to bless you for your God-given assignment. And so the leaders of the church recognize Peter, that's his sphere. Paul, this is your sphere. And so we give you the right hand of fellowship. Could it be in this season that God is trying to give you the right hand of fellowship into your assignment? I assign you into the music industry. I assign you into education. I assign you into politics. I assign you into this neighborhood. The right hand of what? Fellowship. Yep, that's it. That's God. That There it is. It's clear. Peter, it's so obvious. Paul, it's right in front of our... Do it! Why is it that we get so excited about opportunity? And some of us are like, I just want an opportunity, man. Somebody would just give me an audition. Just want, I just want an opportunity. You don't want an opportunity. You want something bigger than that. You want an assignment. Some of us are so thrilled that we got an opportunity that we missed the assignment within the opportunity. That it's not about that door. It's about what happens when you walk through that door in the way that God's somebody thank him today. I'm not just living on an opportunity. I'm living on an assignment. There's a church in L.A. called Zoe. And we don't call ourselves blessed to have a service. We call ourselves blessed to be a light and to be a witness and to be a love and to be a grace and to be a blessing. Somebody give them a prayer. It's not about opportunities. The right hand of fellowship. I prayed over you today that you'd have the right hand of fellowship. That God would just go like, that's it. I'm placing you there. I put you in that apartment. I put you in that cul-de-sac. I put you in that community. I put you in, you think you're working that job just because you got a J-O-B. I've assigned you to sit next to them. I've assigned you to be in that community. I've got something bigger. I got something greater. No eye has seen. No ear has heard. And no mind can imagine the things that I have in store for those who love me and are called according to my purposes. So I'm in heaven and you're on earth and I'm the God that moves assignments. So just a heads up. We can recognize Peter. Yep. Paul. Yep. You. Yes. The right hand of fellowship. I used to think it was people getting kicked out. It's people being commissioned to the greater thing that God has on you. I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I that live, but it's Christ that lives through me. And the life that I now live. The life that I what? Now live. The life that I what? Now live. I live by faith in the Son of God who gave himself as a ransom for me. Christ didn't die in vain. So I can just put aside grace. He died for me that I could follow him and serve him. So I'm going to get up tomorrow. I'm going to say, this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and I will be glad in it. And I'll be glad, God. Put me wherever you want me to. Put me in, coach. 
Come on, anybody that will be willing to say tomorrow, put me in. And we're so busy living in our worlds, acting like Peter. Do they like me? Do they think I'm cool? Are they going to think I'm all right if I wear all brown? Are they impressed? You ever know you've been a devil all week? You walk into church on Sunday? Hey, you guys. It is great to see you. Inside your head, you're like, you acting a fool. Who cares if somebody looks at you and says, wow. They are so spiritual. God's in heaven going, give me a break. As if I'm sitting in the box seat, impressed by your theatrics. Go to your room, close the door. Let's spend time with just me and you where I can speak to you and I can heal you and I can love you and I can break you down so I can build you up. Clap if you're thankful. I know my, allow me to reintroduce myself. I'm not who I was last year. I'm not who I was when I moved to LA. I'm not who I was 15 years ago. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Quit playing games. Quit playing games. Some of us are like, you know, if I get a little bit more of this, do a little bit more of that, then maybe even my connect group leader will think I'm good. Maybe even my spouse will think I'm better than I am. We don't live for man. We live for Jesus. Stand to your feet. Last thing, write it down to your phone today. I don't, I, don't, I don't want you to miss out on this this truth, last truth of the day. I am changed by grace, not self-improvement. Last scriptures of the day, Galatians 2, verses 15 through 16. We know very well that we are not set right with God by rule keeping, but only through personal faith in Jesus Christ. Well, how do we know this? We tried it and we had the best system of rules the world has ever seen. Convinced that no human being can please God by self-improvement, we believed in Jesus as the Messiah so that we might be set right before God by trusting in the Messiah, not by trying to be good. See, when you follow Jesus, it's not that you don't want to self-improve. It's that you just know the way to self-improvement. Self-improvement doesn't happen by trying harder or working more or giving up or doing this, that, or the other. To improve yourself, spend time with Jesus. And Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of your life, He will come and heal you and deliver you and free you and serve you. So the work of a believer is not self-improvement. The work of a believer is trusting Jesus. That's my real identity. God, I'm dealing with 
things in my life and there's no way I could break this chain without you, Jesus. There's just no way, God, I can get over this mountain without you, Jesus. So Lord, will you heal me and will you free me today? I want to encourage somebody. God didn't just start a good work in you. Philippians 3.13 For he who called you and started a good work in you for he who has begun a good work will be faithful to complete that good work is there anybody grateful today that god loves you so much that he's not going to leave you high and dry where you're at come on zoe let's pray today jesus